If you've experienced a DNA surprise, you know that your emotions can range from shock to denial to grief to anger to confusion to joy and around again. And sometimes it's hard to find people who understand this unique experience. Sometimes we feel a little stuck as we navigate this journey. That's why we created the DNA Surprise Retreat. At the DNA Surprise Retreat, you'll enjoy six expert-led sessions to help you process your DNA surprise. You'll eat delicious catered meals, and most importantly, you'll build beautiful friendships with people who understand you, all in a stunning private ranch facility in the Arizona desert. If you've had shocking DNA test results, know that you're not alone. This retreat is for you. Join us September 19th through the 22nd, 2024 in Phoenix, Arizona. Registration is open now. Reserve your space at dnasurpriseretreat.com. I'll see you there. So I think she just was doing the best she could with what she had. And I can't say that if I was in the same situation, I wouldn't do the same thing. I probably would because you're doing what you think is best and you're doing it for your kid. So I, I see her much more as a human now than just my mom. And I, I respect what she did. Imagine spitting into a tube sending off your DNA, and unknowingly turning your life upside down. For me and thousands of others, this is our reality. I'm your host, Alexis Auerselt. In July of 2021, I discovered that I am an NPE, someone who has experienced a non-paternal event. In other words, my biological father isn't who I thought he was. This podcast shares the journeys of people who were shocked by a DNA discovery, mostly through modern DNA testing. We're telling the stories of NPEs, adoptees, and donor-conceived people and their families. This is DNA Surprises. How would you feel if you learned that your biological father was a constant presence in your life, despite being raised under the belief that another man shared your DNA? In this week's episode, Shannon shares how she learned that her biological father was a longtime family friend who even taught her how to tie her shoes. I spoke with Shannon just four months after her DNA surprise. She offers a fresh perspective on the immediate aftermath of a discovery, including what she's doing to process and how she's learning more about her newfound biological family. Thank you for sharing your story, Shannon. Okay, so my name is Shannon. I am 39 and I live in Tucson. I am originally from Pittsburgh and I lived there for 29 years. I had a very idyllic childhood. There was really nothing I can complain about. Um, I lived in the suburbs of Pittsburgh in a very small community. I lived with my mom and my dad. I'm an only child. 
I, there, I really couldn't want for anything. I had a really great childhood. I went to private school. I had a small family, but we were close. And my dad owned his own business. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, which was really, really nice. Um, she was a career woman before she had me. And a year after she was, uh, after I was born, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So she stopped working. And not a lot was known about multiple sclerosis in the 80s. And um, she kind of played almost like the victim mentality. She just was very well with me about the whole ordeal, but she really worked through her disease. I went to college to follow in my father's footsteps of working in his company. I really didn't enjoy that industry very much. It was in the interior design industry. It wasn't for me. Mm. I worked in that industry for about 10 years. And in 2011, my dad died of, um, we're guessing, a heart attack. He died in his sleep. After my dad died, my mom kind of spiraled into this really deep depression. And being the only child, a lot of everything fell on me to take care of her. And we had, like I said, we had a really small family. So small, it was pretty much my grandparents on my mom's side who lived a little bit down the road and my mom's brother who also lived a little bit down the road, but she had a sister who lived about three hours away. And my dad had his parents who lived three hours away and a brother that lived in a whole other state. For some reason, I I don't know if it was because of my mom's MS and just the rewiring of her brain. She really kept a lot of people away from us. We would only see her mom and dad, my grandma and grandpa. She didn't like me going to see my dad's parents in Altoona. They lived about three hours away in Altoona. She would keep my maternal uncle kind of at an arm's distance from us. And she had a very small group of friends. Other than that, people never really came to our house. And there wasn't a lot of socialization on my parents' part. Luckily, I had a lot of friends from school. But like I said, after my dad died, she really just spiraled into this depression. And he had died a couple of months before I was getting married. And my mom said that our wedding was like the most traumatic day of her life. Wow. And I thought, all right, I'll, I'll give that to her. It, 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 I can, I can see it from her point of view. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Two years after my husband and I got married, we ended up moving to Tucson for his job. And that caused her to spiral even more. A year after we moved here, we had our first son. And it turns out that I actually have cousins from my dad's side of the family that live here in Tucson. So I became very close with them because I never knew them growing up Mm -hmm. ever. And my dad's brother will visit Tucson to see his kids. And he has the same mannerisms as my dad. So it's kind of wild for me to see an older version of my dad because they were 10 years apart. Okay. Um, And they talk the same, they have the same mannerisms. It's really crazy. 
So I really enjoy hanging out with that side of the family because I never got to know them growing up. So my mom died in 2017, three weeks after I had our daughter. That was an absolute whirlwind of like selling the house, shutting down the estate. I was the executrix because I'm the only child. So everything fell on me. It was really difficult because since she had kept everybody at arm's distance, I didn't have much help. Mm -hmm. And it was, it all fell on me, which was really crazy. So fast forward, we have now lived in Tucson for about nine years. And I'm still very close with my paternal cousins who live here. We'll go get dinner. We hang out. We're all very close. I invite my cousins over to our new house and and my aunt and my uncle are with them. And I'm talking with my cousin about 23andMe. I've always wanted to do a genetic test just for health to see if I'm a carrier of anything for my kids, especially because my mom. Um, And uh, we have a whole slew of autoimmune diseases on my maternal side of the family. So I was always so worried that I was a carrier for something and I, I want to be proactive, Mm -hmm. but my husband was always like, no, don't do it. You know, that's just opening up Pandora's box. Like, what if you find something out? And I'm like, I want to know because I just need to be proactive about it. I was talking to my cousin. She's like, I did 23 of me. And so did my dad. And I was like, okay, that's awesome. She was telling me what traits they had. And growing up, I was told I was like the typical Pittsburgh mutt, Irish, Italian, German. And that's what I've always known. And so the Italian and German came from my dad's side of the family. Irish, Scottish came from my mom's side of the family. She said, after I do the 23andMe, it would link us up genetically. So we would match up together. So I was like, this is awesome. I can't wait. She was like, oh, and we have like 32% Neanderthal in our family. This is so crazy. It's so fun. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So I ordered the test, sent it in. Six weeks later, I get the results. And I don't even look at who I'm matching up with, what my ancestral traits are. I'm looking at health. And it's saying I'm a carrier for hereditary hemochromatosis. And I'm like, I've never heard of that. I don't know what that is. Next. And like rosacea, acne, PCOS. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. And then I just kind of forget about it. I'm just like, okay, I don't see anything that is blaringly alarming, especially when it comes to autoimmune. So this is great. Yeah. But then a couple of days later, I'm like, oh, wait, it didn't link me up with my cousin or my uncle. That's really strange. So I sent her a text and I said, hey, it, it didn't link us. That, like, I don't understand why they, they didn't do that. Well, she's a pharmacist, so she understands science. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, and I am also in the field of science. Okay. But for whatever reason, my brain has completely shut down. And I'm just trying really hard not to acknowledge what's going on. Mm-hmm. So she sends me their DNA results and I look at her ancestry and it says Italian and German. 
And so does my uncle's. And then I look at mine and I am 99% Irish. And I was like, oh, something's not matching up here. That's weird. And then I look at who I'm matching up with in terms of family members. Mm-hmm. And we have a very unusual last name. So I was expecting to see a lot of this unusual last name. And there was none of that. I was matching up with very Irish last names. So I was like, oh, I've never heard of any of these names before. Then I forget about it. I push it to the very back of my mind. I have a lot of things going on in my life. I'm going back to school. I'm working full time, got kids. I'm busy. Three weeks later, I, <laughs> I'm at work and I'm on my lunch break, which is not the most ideal time to really delve into something that's very traumatic like this. Of course, right? <laughs> and I look more closely at the names of who I'm matching with. And I immediately know who my biological father is. And it was not the wonderful human who raised me my entire life. So this is where it gets a little interesting. Yeah. The man who is my biological father, and his name is John. He's been in the periphery of my life, my entire life. I thought he was a family friend. He died in 2016, a year before my mom died. And when he died, she was very upset. And I didn't quite understand why, because I thought, "Mm, he's just a family friend. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's sad, but like she was distraught. I look up his obituary and listed in the obituary is his mother and her maiden name. And those are the people I'm linking up with, with that same last name. So the people that you didn't recognize at first, yeah, it's starting to piece together. Okay. Yeah. In a really twisted way, I always joked with my husband and some of my friends, what if John was my dad? What if John was my dad? Because he's always been around me my entire life in some capacity. And I'm here to break the generational trauma. So I'm going to air some dirty laundry because it's not my dirty laundry Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and kind of normalize it. So when I was really little, I was probably three or four. I was supposed to be taking a nap. I climbed out of my crib and I walked down the hall into my mom's room and there was John in her room. Mm. I told my dad and ever since then, there, there would be fights about John. He would say things like, do you think John would stick with this? You know, Would he support you through all this sickness? Do you think he could do this? And there would always be little things that I would hear, but I really didn't chuck it up to much. I thought, oh, maybe my mom just cheated on my dad. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize she had a whole child. <laughs> yeah. Or that it had been going on for so long. For so long. I ended up contacting my biological dad's widow, who is also our financial planner, because John was helping my mom after my dad died with her finances. And he said, I can't take care of your finances, but my wife can. And so in this very like weird situation, Mm -hmm. 
his widow is our financial advisor. Wow. And she's always, she's been taking care of us since 2017 and she's a really wonderful woman. So I sent her an email. I said, Hey, this is personal. Can we talk one day? So we set up a time to talk and I said, Hey, I took a test and I'm pretty sure I'm John's biological child. Do you know anything about this? And she kind of paused for a little while and then finally said, yes, he knew that you were his child. She's like, I, I found something out where I had to confront him about it. And he fessed up to me and I didn't ask her what that was. I didn't want to rock the boat even more. Yeah. (laughs) And she said that was the reason he was always in my life because he wanted to watch me grow up because even though he has two children, they are adopted. So he never had biological children with his wife. So they adopted Mm -hmm. back in the sixties. So my half stepsister, I don't even know what I would consider her that she's adopted. and, And I have an older brother adopted. They were both adopted in the sixties when they were infants. They're much older than I am by 20 years. Okay. Both of them have gone on their own journeys to find their biological parents. And when I was talking to John's widow, I said, don't tell his kids because I don't need to have a relationship with them because they're not biological. I, I don't really feel the need to, to connect with them. He, has, he comes from a very large Irish family. He has five other siblings that are still living and they're all in Pittsburgh. And one of them actually lived up the street from my parents. So I did know him, but I didn't know ever that he was my uncle, which is just really strange when I think back about it. Did she say if your dad knew your raised father? So about two months after all of this started to really sink in, I'm very woo-woo. So I went and saw a psychic mm-hmm. and because that's what I wanted to know. Did my dad know? And unfortunately, since everybody's dead, I won't get any real answers, but we went to this psychic and she said that my dad had an inkling, but he just didn't care because I was his whole world. And I really was like, he did everything for me. So that kind of made me feel a little better mm-hmm. at the fact that he didn't really know because otherwise that would have really broken my heart to, to the, the, the fact that he would have known that I was somebody else's child, but he was still such a wonderful human to raise me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he still is, yeah. You know, regardless, and you know, I still get the spiel because I ended up telling my my mom's brother and sister about this discovery. Well, your dad's still your dad. And I mm-hmm. said, I know, I know. <laughs> right? We love it when people say that to us. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so, what was your initial reaction? What were your feelings when you? finally put the pieces together. Since you kind of 
in so, on some level, it's like you sort of knew, right? Yeah. For a while, you floated the idea out there. But yeah. once it was confirmed, what did you feel? I, I ran the whole gamut of emotions. I was upset at my mom for doing this to my dad and then upset at her for not telling me after my dad died so I could have a relationship with John because I would have been very open to that. I was not surprised. I, I, but I also think my, my brain is really protecting myself from this trauma. So it's, and it's fresh. I mean, I only found this out back in March. So this is all still very, very new for me. And I still have a lot of processing to do. And I still should probably go talk to a therapist about it. Because um, I know that's what a lot of NPEs suggest doing mm-hmm. to work through this trauma. Um, I joke that I am the the queen collector of traumatic events. <laughs> it's what I do. <laughs> So my poor therapist is always like, oh, you're back. (laughs) Um, But I've I've actually done pretty well considering because I usually have very unhealthy coping habits. And I'm actually just kind of trucking along and doing very well with it. But like I said, who knows what will happen in a month or two, how, how something will hit me. And, you know, I could get angry or very upset and just sad. But for the most part, I think because I kind of, what's the term, the the thought unknown? The unthought known. Unthought known. That's pretty much me. Like that Mm -hmm. just embodies this whole situation. So just very recently... I went back to Pittsburgh to visit and be a tourist because we don't really have much family there anymore. I met up with John's widow and she very kindly asked if she could tell his kids. And I put some thought into it and I finally agreed. I said, yeah, that's fine. Uh, They're actually having a huge family reunion at the end of this month. And I think they wanted to use that opportunity to let everybody know that there's another kid in the family. And she did tell his daughter. And like I said, she's gone on her own journey to find her biological parents. So she's very, very graciously empathetic to what I'm going through. And she doesn't have to be that way. She just is such a great person. And John's wife asked, you know, can do you want to reach out to her? She's very open to having a relationship with you. And I said, sure, I'm not going to turn that down, even though I was somewhat against it at the very beginning. So I sent her an email I said, and she's just been a wealth of information about John. She's sent me pictures. She's told me about his childhood. My, my grandparents that I've not known very much about who came straight from Ireland and kind of a little bit about the extended family. And she has yet to tell her brother. She's actually waiting until the family reunion to tell him. And then they're going to tell the rest of the family. So I'm a little anxious about that, but she's been so kind. We'll text for hours back and forth and just getting to know one another. And we have so much in common. So it's kind of, I feel like I'm my own case study of nature versus nurture. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, cause how I said earlier, I said, I saw that I had hereditary hemochromatosis. Well, that's from him. Mm. He had that. And it's basically when your blood collects too much iron and you need transfusions okay. to even it out. I've been a vegetarian since I was 15. I hate meat. I hate anything that tastes irony. Mm-hmm. And only to find out that basically it's that was my body's way of saying, you've got something going on where you don't need iron. And we're just going to cut out any type of meat. And oh, talk about the unthought known, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's wild. And she said that basically the whole family that lives in Ireland still has this condition. And I've actually connected with one of my cousins. It's a, uh, she's a second cousin who lives in Ireland and she's been so welcoming and just very kind a little confused about the situation. She doesn't quite understand what's going on, but mm-hmm. I don't think many people do. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know? for sure. Yeah. This is kind of a new boom of a population of NPEs. It's just been this wild, wild ride uh, in, in the past four months. It's just been crazy. One thing after the other, it's just unraveling and things are slowly making sense and falling into place. The puzzle pieces are coming together and I am finally seeing the whole big story. One thing that I've always felt about myself is I've always needed a sense of belonging for some reason, more so as an adult than as a kid. Like I joined a sorority when I was 32. Mm. Why? Like, because I wanted, I wanted to feel some sort of like bigger community. And it's always been in my soul that I needed like this big, big community. But really, I've always had it, but I just didn't know I had it in this huge side of of the family that I never knew existed as mine biologically. I knew it existed, but I didn't know it was mine. Something that a lot of people that I've spoken to talk about is that what if... What would be different if I'd known? And knowing that you actually do have a huge biological family, have you spent any time, given that it's only been four months, thinking about how different your life might have been if you'd known that you had that connection? I really haven't given it that much thought. I think everything happens for a reason. And I was meant to have my small family, and I needed that at the time. Now, having this huge family. I'm I'm hoping I'll get invited to the next big family reunion mm-hmm. <laughs> and everybody will be okay with it because that's what I need in my life now. What's happened in the past has happened in the past and I can't really be angry about it because I didn't know about it. So yeah. I just have to kind of keep moving and going forward from here um, and hope that they will accept me as a part of their family. I'm sure they will because they're they've all been so very gracious so far. And even his daughter is like, I am so in awe of the fact that there's a part of him still out there running around. And I'm like, but like, aren't you a little bit mad that, you know, he cheated on your mom with my mom? Like, doesn't that make you feel a little unsettled inside? And she's like, no, not really. Hmm. Like, that was their own thing. It was a different time. It's like, oh, that's 
That's very true. Has this changed your feelings about your mom in any way? It has really made me appreciate her as a human a lot more. I know deep down she was doing what she had to do for me. If she had told my dad, I don't think he would have stuck around. Mm-hmm. And, and she was very much at his mercy because she wasn't working. She was sick. She couldn't be a single mom. You know, she, she was very dependent on him. Mm-hmm. Have you had any discussions with your raised cousins, the people that you believed were your uncle and cousins <laughs> yeah. here in Tucson? Yeah, they were actually one of the first people I told. I, I, I told um, my husband and then I told them because I didn't want them to be blindsided by anything. And they are very much of the, wow, that's crazy, but you're still family. Yeah. Because our uncle raised you. And even though you're not biologically related to us, you're still family. Mm -hmm. You know, you're stuck with us. And I am so appreciative of that because I know that a lot of people don't have that same mentality and, and are very quick to just wipe their hands at the whole situation and just keep trucking. So uh, it's very humbling to know how loved I really, really am. And that's Mm -hmm. the the best thing that's come from this. Just the whole, my whole social circle is growing. My family circle is growing and it's, it's just growing in the best possible way, just full of love and, and understanding and compassion, which I couldn't ask for anything more, honestly. Yeah. So you mentioned that you probably should go to therapy, (laughs) but what are you doing to help process this now? Okay. So I am journaling in who am I even anymore? That has been very, very helpful. Thank you, Eve Sturgis. (laughs) Thank you, Eve Sturgis. That has been, I just did a quick Google search for NPE therapy tools. <laughs> and it just <laughs> popped up on Amazon and I was like, I need this in my life. So I will journal in that. I'm also very vocal about this whole situation because like I said, I'm here to break the generational trauma. I don't want to have secrets. I And I think a lot of people do disagree with that. I think they're like, well, that was your mom's like that was her thing. And oh my God, wouldn't she be so embarrassed? Well, yeah, she probably really would be, but that's on her. Mm -hmm. I'm my own person and I'm a product of this whole situation and it wasn't my fault. So, and I want to normalize it. There's so many of us and there's going to be more. Yes. (laughs) The more and more people do these tests, the more and more things are going to pop up and I just want people to know that they're not alone and it's very normal. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, that's been my therapy so far. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, Aside from the medical history, which is so important, which Mm -hmm. is the reason that you took the test to begin with, have you learned anything else about your bio dad, John, um, that's helped things kind of make sense for you? So the one thing that's in my favor and my kids' favor so far is his side of the family has lived a really long time. Mm-hmm. They they live until they're like in their late 80s, in their 90s. 
I have asked twice how he died and I haven't gotten an answer yet. I do know that he was in the hospital with C. diff, but that you know, it didn't kill him. So I'm still kind of waiting for that answer. His, his widow has given a, a pretty good idea of his health history, but she left out how he died. So I asked her and then I asked his daughter and I still haven't gotten that answer. So I'm, I'm not quite sure why. It makes me a little nervous, but there really hasn't been anything earth shattering in, in terms of health history, which I'm very grateful for because that means that my kids will actually be better off. But he was very tall. Mm. And so my husband and I, we are very small people. Okay. And, <laughs> and our son is like almost as tall as us. So I'm like, this is awesome. There's a chance that he could be like six foot. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. And not little micro machines like the rest of the family. Um, <laughs> but then that, you know, that begs for me, like how, why am I so small? <laughs> why yeah. am I short? Where Genetics are strange. From? They're yeah. so strange. Um, but yeah, it's it's been pretty wild. So far, I'm really enjoying the ride yeah. <laughs> that I've been on. <laughs> Do you think that your perception of this DNA surprise, your NPE, is different because he was in the periphery of your life? So you did know him. I, yeah, I did know him. Um, and he was always really such a great person. And like I said, as as things will start to make sense in my mind. You know, I'll tell my husband, Oh my God, he taught me how to tie my shoes. That's, that's crazy to me that like such an integral thing that happens in your life came from him. You know, his first wife taught me different songs. They had a farm and I would go visit their farm for a couple of days and do sleepovers. And so yeah, he he was in my life and I'm so so glad that he was because I don't if he wasn't and this journey was so much different and I was trying to put the pieces together of like okay, now I have to contact this person to see if they might know and this person to see if they have any idea. I probably would have given up. Yeah, it's like there's something special about the fact that you don't totally have to wonder what if because he right. was in your life and yes. he was there for some of those like you said tying learning to tie your shoes. Like that's beautiful that yeah. he was still there. Um, yeah. And it's so interesting. Really, it really is. It just blows my mind at the fact of how often he was around me, and he must have been very sure that I was his child to to do that. Another thing that the psychic had said was he and his wife couldn't have children, and my mom and my dad couldn't have children, which I never knew. Mm. that they had any fertility issues. I just figured because I was born 10 years after my parents were married, they were married in 72. I thought they were just waiting a very long time to have a child because my mom was a career woman. My dad was starting his business and kids weren't super important to them at that time. I just thought, oh, they just waited 
10 years to have me. Like that seemed kind of normal in my, in my mind. Yeah. And they never had kids after me, but I didn't know if that was because of fertility issues or they just were one and done. Mm-hmm. Apparently I was a handful. I could see why they'd want to stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think that you look like John or is it one of those things like now you think you do, but growing up you didn't really see it or? Oh my God. It's so crazy because I think I still look like my dad. Oh, okay. The, my dad who raised me. I uh-huh. am like still convinced I look so much like him. Um, and I actually ran into two of his old employees while I was in Pittsburgh and I told them and they were like, but you look just like your dad. How is oh, this wow. even possible? And I was like, well, I guess my mom had a type. <laughs> and, um, I don't, I, I have some features of John, but his, his widow said, you look so much like his brother's son. And so I did Facebook stalking and I found a picture of him. We could be twins. Oh, wow. And I, and it never really dawned on me that I could look like somebody else in the family. I thought I should look just like my mom or just like my dad, but I look just like my, he's my first cousin. So I showed the picture to my husband and he was like, oh, I can't unsee it now. <laughs> you found the male your, your version. Male version. Your <laughs> it's like, oh, this oh is so gosh. creepy. Um so I can now see I look very much like that side of the family, but I've also this whole time thought that both sides, my mom's side and John's side, both look very much like each other. Like there's mm-hmm. just something about Irish people mm-hmm. that they look very similar. And you can just tell that they're from Ireland just by the way they look. <laughs> And so her side of the family looks a lot like his side of the family. Well, and to your point, like moms, people have types. So (laughs) sometimes, you know, you could look like your dad, but maybe your dad kind of looks like your biological father. Exactly. Exactly. So it's it's crazy to Mm -hmm. just start to look at those different features and pick them out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What do you hope for next? So the next thing I'm hoping for, like I said, I hope I am invited to the next huge family reunion. Um, If not, I just, I hope I am accepted into his side of the family because I have so many aunts and uncles that I've not gotten the chance to meet and they're all very much older. They're in their eighties now. So time's not really on my side. And I would really like to get to know them and not have history repeat itself where just time goes by and I don't know anything and I don't get the chance to ask questions. So I'm really hoping that his side of the family is accepting and his son is accepting of Mm. this whole situation. From what I've been told, he's kind of a, a tough nut to crack. So my expectations aren't super high. I'm just hopeful. Yeah. And if it doesn't happen, I'm not going to be very upset. What advice would you offer a parent who is keeping a DNA surprise from their child? I would advise that they do tell their their child because it's that child's right to know their genetics. If they don't 
tell them, science will find out for them. And then you're kind of backed into a corner. And that's definitely a very common theme, but every child should have the right to know who they come from. And even if it's not the best situation, it's still very important for health history. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what advice would you offer someone like yourself who just found out that you're an NPE? Just feel the feelings. Try your best to not suppress what's going on. Don't let your brain shut down on you. I know it's a protective measure, but try to really go with it and tell people. Don't hold it in because it's been a secret already for this long. And what good is it going to be to keep it a secret even longer? Normalize it, speak about it. And if you don't want to, write about it, go to a therapist. Just make sure you don't hold it in. Get it out in whatever way you feel is the most productive and healthy for you. That's great advice. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. I hope that everything continues to move in a positive direction and you continue forging new relationships with your newfound family. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Thanks again to Shannon for sharing her story. If you have a DNA surprise that you'd like to share, please email dnasurprises at gmail.com. Until next time.